0: Hi there and thanks for joining us. I'm Jonathan Healy. So now that the parking ban has been parked, pardon the pun, uh, we thought it would be a good idea to have a look at what's happening in our city centre. Let's go to town, shall we? The Red Business
1: Podcast with CompuB. Building your business with premium Apple solutions. CompuB.com
0: First up on this episode, we're going to speak to, I was going to say, the new president of the Cork Business Association, but he's had his feet under the table uh, for quite some time now at this point, Philip Gillivan, uh, president of the CBA. You're very welcome to Red Business.
2: Thanks, Jonathan. Delighted to be here.
0: Tell us how you ended up in this particular role, because your main business is the Shelburne Bar, which keeps you nice and busy on McCartan Street. So how have you ended up as president of CBA as well?
2: How long have we got? <laughs> um, I suppose it started about seven years ago when I suppose I was heading up the McCurtain Street Traders and driving McCurtain Street. And um, Vicky Crean from AIB, who was part of the CBA, um, used to come up to me at lunch and say, Philip, would you ever think of joining the CBA? We need somebody to focus on this part of the city. So I joined. I started going to the monthly meetings. I suppose, and the more you put your hand up to do jobs, the more jobs you get. See,
0: most fellows would take the hand down if it was being caught too often, but obviously you're a fella who likes sticking the hand
2: up. Yeah, well, I I, I like to feel that I get things done, you know what I mean? And if I say I'm going to do something, I like to get it done. So, um, yeah, so I was delighted when I was asked what I considered to be president, um, and I had a good warning of a year and a half out. So, with Pat O'Connell being the previous president, Pat kind of guided me along, and um, I suppose I was ready then come January to take over.
0: The McCurtain Street side of town was a very neglected little area. I mean, when you would have taken over the Shelburne Bar, when Shelburne Bar first opened, it was a place that there was a couple of chip shops, the Everyman was there near the Metropole, but there wasn't much else to draw people to that side of town. It's changed so much in the last while. What what brought about that change?
2: Well, I guess, I suppose I'm there 22 years, so as i said to everybody, I've seen the good, the bad and the ugly on McCurtain Street. And I suppose about seven or eight years ago, there was... Two street lights working on McCurton Street. It was probably 50% closed. And we just got a bit lucky. Um, two girls came on the street called Clara O'Neill and Rogin Butler who were planners. And they set up their own business. CIT came on board to do market research for us. And we figured out, you know, we're going to have to help ourselves here if we want to change the dynamics. So the businesses started working together. Even though we were in competition, we were also cooperating. And we made a decision that we would never put anything negative out about mccurtain Street, ever. It was only going to be positive. Cork City Council came on board. They got us a painting grant scheme. Um, and bit by bit, we changed the way um, people thought about mccurtain Street. Next thing, Son of a Bund moved up. The Fishwife moved up. The flea market opened up around the corner. And we started marketing the area rather than the street. And that's how it became the Victorian Quarter.
0: And it is the uh, the Victorian Quarter, which is a big drive by the city centre and city council in particular to to give a little bit of vibrancy to certain areas. But have you noticed that footfall has improved just simply through aesthetics and a little bit of positive PR that you now have people who are migrating to McCartan Street without going sure what's up there?
2: Well, exactly, because it's it's very easy now to, for say, a hotel receptionist or a taxi driver, say, go to the Victorian Quarter they don't see, need to say go to a certain venue on McCartan Street they can say just go up there you'll find what you're looking for and people and I have people coming in to me now who get the bus up from Formoy or Midtletown or Watergrass Hill and they can spend the night on the street not in one venue they go to different things they might go to theatre they might go for a meal they might go for a cocktail go for whiskey and then they get the bus home so it's now become a destination instead of just um, one place to visit and head and our hashtag is cross the bridge we wanted people to cross over and not cross back again.
0: We're going to be speaking to Ray Kelleher in the second part of this podcast about the big changes that are underway in the city centre, and of course, the Metropole Hotel, as it is, won't be the Metropole Hotel for much longer because of the huge investment that's going in there. Is that going to further add to the attraction of the Victorian quarter?
2: It's fantastic, you know, and hats off to these guys, you know, they're, they're going to have 400 bedrooms on McCurtain Street, which is a complete game changer. That's Potentially another 1,000 people on the street at nighttime between the two hotels that they're building. There's another um, planning application gone through for a 73-bed hotel at the end of McCurton Street. There's the HQ development down towards the train station. So I believe all these people are here because of the positive news that came out of McCurtain Street um, over the last five years. So I think this is going to be replicated across the city. You can see Washington District getting together, see Douglas Street getting together. People are finding that if they work together in a positive manner, they can get a lot more done with city council than being divided and just be negative, be positive and be proactive.
0: Now, I've been around long enough to know that there is a natural cynicism in the population that will go, "Er, it'll never happen, or that's grand, but what happens when the next crash comes? From a negative person's perspective, there's an annoying amount of positivity in the city at the moment how has how have we reached that point after being in the doldrums for a decade of no growth unemployment being very high no cranes above the city skyline how have we reached this point now where everybody is talking about cork in such positive ways and is it well placed could we could we upset ourselves
2: well i suppose you can look at it two ways um First of all, there's the National Development Plan. So Simon Coveney briefed us last month, you know, and saying Cork City is going to triple in population in the next 20 years. Dublin City is full. Um, They've earmarked Cork to grow from 120,000 to 360,000. The boundary extension automatically means the city is going to increase by 100,000 once the city boundary. So, for instance, where I live in Glenmire, that will now be in the city. Um, The airport will come into the city. So the rates are going to drastically increase for the city. And I suppose if you look around, people aren't waiting for this to happen. The cranes are everywhere. How many cranes are around? As we look around the skyline, maybe 12 or 15. All the hotels that are being built, um, all the student accommodation. Unemployment is probably getting as low now as it's going to be for a long time. Um, you know, There's always going to be a certain population that won't be employed, and that's probably throughout the world. So I think people are very positive about the future. There's also a lot of concerns from you know the retailers in the city center the bus corridors need to be built and um, so you can always talk down the city you can always be negative but you know my job as president is to always talk up the city while keeping a firm eye on what's actually happening and making sure that we're not just um sugarcoating things
0: Well, one of the things that people will always point to is is change and They don't like change. I mean, the recent changes on Patrick Street for three and a half hours a day, people certainly didn't like that when it happened. How open do people need to be to changes, to give something a go? I always look back at the video that's on the RTE archive of Grafton Street in the 1980s when they were pedestrianising it and they said the world would end. And of course it didn't, and it made for the most valuable um, real estate in the country. Do people need to be a little more open to change than they are right now?
2: Absolutely. The city centre is changing. You know, the whole city centre movement strategy is changing. So the idea is to get all the cars out of the city centre as much as possible and get people in so they can experience the city. Do you,
0: do you agree with that?
2: In principle, absolutely. But, and there is the but, you have to give people an alternative to their car. So at the moment we're getting all the jigsaw pieces in place, like for instance, you know, the, yesterday it started for the three and a half hours, Patrick Street being restricted, um, McCurtain Street's becoming 2A, Patrick's Quay, you know, all the different areas that's been done. It's a jigsaw that's going together, and there's always going to be pain. What I don't want to happen is that the bus corridors that were announced in the 200 million happen so far down the road that a lot of the small one-off shops will not be able to survive, because you have to give people an alternative to the car. If you're taking spaces out of the car, and the big problem, as you can see, is, you know, Morrison Island, there's 115 spaces coming out, we're going to get an amazing public REM project, but we're losing 115 spaces. So what's plan B? You know, in the meantime, if you don't have the bus corridors to get people in and the rapid transport, do they just go somewhere else? And that's always the fight. You know, you have to be positive. You have to be. Pro- there has to be progress, but you also have to be a realist as well.
0: Now, I've, I've gone through the interview so far We're about eight minutes in without mentioning the fact that you're actually from Mayo. So uh, <laughs> when you're here, you're a fully committed Corkman at this point. We have converted you, I'm guessing, have we?
2: Oh, that's a great laugh because, yeah, I'm a Mayo man. I'm from Westport, probably probably the nicest town in Ireland. <laughs> and if you haven't been there, you should go. And my brothers who live there think I've moved completely off to the dark side. Um, you've, go- I- you've, you've gone native. Oh, completely. But I still always support Mayo football. If you come into the Shellburn and I drive the regulars mad, I'll always have the Mayo flag and the Mayo colours there. And it does add to a bit of banter. But I, I moved to Cork, first of all, in 1987, when Paddy Fitzpatrick got dressed and bought Silver Springs Hotel. So I'm down here that long. Um, you know, all my, my kids are reared in Cork. You know, I'm as Cork now as I... And I think I know what's going on down here. Um, you know, but my heart is in Mayo, but my head is in, definitely in, in Cork.
0: Which helps when you're president of the CBA... The, the hopes we've talked about for the future, the fears we've talked about for the future. You know, you mentioned the fact that your kids were raised in Cork. They are Corkonians. Uh, I always get a sense, particularly now when I'm walking through the Docklands or driving up the quays uh, on the far side past the train station, that, you know, we will be that generation in years to come going. Remember, I remember when there was nothing here. Um, there is that sense of transition, isn't there? That, you know, our generation, the people who are in their 30s, their 40s, their 50s now, you know, this is our time, um, but there will be a generation after us, and we have to make sure that there's something workable left for them.
2: Well, absolutely. But I think the Docklands is going to be what it will drive on the city. As Simon Coveney said at the briefing lately, he said, Cork hasn't changed, the skyline hasn't changed an awful lot in the last 20 years. But it will be unrecognizable in twenty years' time if everything happens at the same the National Development Plan. So for instance, like myself and my wife, Maria, were talking about, will we buy one of these apartments on the docklands in a few years' time when the kids are gone and we're at home with the the house in Glenmire? or are we better off being in the city centre and To grow the city, we need to get as many apartments built down in the docklands as possible. You know, take the cars out, but give people a reason to live in the city so they can walk, they can relax, they can enjoy and socialise in the city without getting the long bus commute in from the suburbs.
0: Well, we'll we'll look forward to seeing what the city is going to be like. Uh, Your tenure as president of the CBA, it's two years to make you do it, isn't it? It's
2: two years (laughs) to make me do it.
0: (laughs) Two years. Well, look, we'll we'll talk again before the end of that. But for now, Philip Gillivan of the Shelburne Bar uh, and also president of the CBA. Thank you so
2: much for joining us on Red Business. Thanks, Jonathan. Really enjoyed it. Thank you.
1: The Red Business Podcast with CompuBee Business, improving productivity with the latest Apple technology. CompUBE.com.
0: So that's the view from the top at the Cork Business Association, but what is it like for companies that are actually trading in Cork city centre? So to find out a little bit more, I've been joined in the Republic of Work by two of them. We've got Joan Lucy, who is with Vibes and Scribes, and we have Ray Kelleher, who is with the Trigon Hotel Group, uh, working out of the Metropole Hotel. You're both very welcome to Red Business. Good morning Jonathan. Good good afternoon Jonathan. Don't say good afternoon. uh, Good to be here. uh, You're very welcome to Red Business. Thank you very much. We're delighted to
3: be here. Thanks Jonathan.
0: I want to begin with you Joan because Vibes and Scribes is my favourite kind of shop and it is the kind of shop that we used to have loads of but have fewer of now. One you can have a wander around. I mean is that still a thing where you have people who wander in, maybe buy something, maybe not, pick up a book, maybe look for something else? Well
1: browsing has always been part of the business. When I set up in Business First, I was so delighted to have any customer. Browsers were more than welcome. And I suppose the bookshop is an area for browsing. But even in our crafting supply business in Bridge Street, you have to be able to browse there. People don't pick up their mind in a moment of what they want. You need to be able to give expert support to your customers, but you need to give them the space to browse as well.
0: So you have two unique kind of offerings. So you have the – I'll call them the bits and bobs uh, involved in – what is it, wool and crochet and all that kind yeah. of stuff?
1: Well, in Bridge Street, we what we call it is a crafting supply shop. So it's like wool for crochet and knitting. There's fabric for dressmaking, quilting, millinery, that's hat making. Then any sort of crafting, if you want to make beads, cards, or children's painting, uh, candle making, just endless hobby. Hobby, Hob- hobby, hobby stuff. Supplies.
0: And then the other shop, which is the bigger shopper of the two which is over in the keys, and and that's books
1: well actually bridge street is actually bigger cause is it? it is actually bigger in in lavitz Quay, there's actually two shops next door to each other there's a full price new bookshop and next to it the second hand shop between the two of those they would be bigger but individually not
0: so what was your passion was it the books or was it the crafts
1: i started off in the book business and books has always been my passion really uh It's just a wonderful business to be in, but it has been very challenged over the last 10 years between the internet, Amazon, supermarkets, just our market share very much declined and so we diversified and that's, uh, gradually we built up the crafting supply business. It started off with just maybe uh, supplying art, architecture and design books and some products to go with that and when we just realised how much people were hobbying really, like Knitting now, for instance, and crochet is regarded as the new yoga. People use it for relaxing, to help them give up cigarettes, to help them not eat too much, to help them not drink too much. I
0: need to take up knitting. It sounds like a great cause altogether.
1: Well, there's a lot of knitting groups, and there's a huge passion for it, and crochet equally, a huge passion. You produce a a garment that you put your heart and soul into, whether a small item like a hat or a scarf, anybody can knit. Even if you only did plain stitch, not even purl, you can knit a scarf. And it makes a wonderful gift then.
0: I really hate when doing interviews and I don't understand a single word that the person is saying to me, but I'm presuming they're all little bits and pieces of, of of knitting, are they?
1: Yes, well, they're just the.
0: Because pro- I'm an Egypt, like, the, I, I've the, never done it.
1: The projects that people start off with. We have classes, we teach people how to knit and how to crochet, we'll teach people how to make hats, we'll teach people. Every, every second week there's a class in the shop teaching our customers how to do something new.
0: Ray Kelleher, how good are you at knitting?
3: Well, it's funny you should ask that because actually I come from a very rural part of Ireland in the Midlands. Um, So my mother had her own... She had extensive knitting and um, she also had her own... uh, sewing machine so um, we were exposed to all that um, and coming from a kind of a poor enough part of um, agricultural Ireland in Longford so I was very exposed to knitting and all that and now, <clears throat> now my mother-in-law who um, is based in Corbyn Sherry knits every week so she comes into our house and she brings the big bag of knitting so we are exposed to it as well not no, that no, I really I, want to <laughs> I was just going to say but
0: can you knit that's the key point
3: I, I know we did it in school. We did it back in school, but this is a long time ago now, Jonathan. So um, <laughs> You're better than me, let's yeah, put it that way. When, when Joel mentioned like, playing in Pearl, I didn't know what she was talking about. So.
0: Okay, so you're, you're ahead of me on that curve. You are with the Trigon Group, which is a relatively new hotel group. So you've, you've, you've the two hotels at the airport and you have the Metropole, and the Metropole is really where all the action is taking place over the
3: next while. Well, I suppose uh, my role is very much, we'll say, for all three hotels um, as group sales director. So for all three hotels, I joined the company about eight months ago. And um, so there's an awful lot happening. Um, you mentioned the and I suppose. We're in the middle of a kind of a refurbishment uh, at the moment, which uh, we'll, we'll see the hotel pretty much all 108 bedrooms fully refurbed by the end of April. Uh, and we're also working on the bar and restaurant for a refurb, which will all be done by the end of May. But this is all before we'll say what people are seeing in the papers are extensive 50 million development. This is all before it. So we're actually refurbing at the moment for in advance of what's going to happen in the next two to three so, years. So
0: there's going to be a build on what people will know now as the old PJ Hay site. That's where the new building is going to go. And is that completely separate to the Metropole, or is it a, an add-on?
3: Yeah. It'll be 100% separate. Uh, the hotel will be called the Hotel M. Um, I suppose it is a take on... The M for the Metropole, but there'll be two very much uh, separate businesses, and also the I suppose the target audience, the, tra- the target market, will be completely utter- utterly separate. So,
0: who's the, who's the target audience? So, is it going to be hotel young, hotel, young, you? young, old,
3: rich, poor? Yeah, I I, I was at a meeting. I, I did a presentation recently to a group in Cork, and um, I was explaining what the M w- uh, target audience would be, and the, uh, a gentleman in his 60s stood up and pretty much said I won't be going to that hotel (laughs) so I suppose the target audience will be very much um, kind of young corporates but also people young kind of city slickers Kind of people that are doing the city break, but also, we say, without children. Do you know what I mean? So, maybe. Oh, so people
0: who actually enjoy their breaks away. Is that yeah. what you're saying,
3: Ray? Not, not necessarily. We all enjoy, even <laughs> with the children. But um, that's the, I suppose that'll be the audience for the M. But the Metropole audience, which it currently is at the moment, will be very, very different.
0: So, the Metropole has been trading, obviously, for a long time at the city centre. Mm-hmm. And Joan Weizenskreis has been trading for how long?
1: 24 years. Now. So,
0: you've seen a lot come and go in their 24 years. Uh, how do you view the city centre? right now?
1: Well, I think it's looking very well. But I think there's an element of sadness about it in that some uh, several small businesses have closed even recently. And I, as a retailer, feel that because I, I worry about that part. I think it looks prosperous. I see so many cranes in the skyline. That's all very good. And there's loads of good news about office space and hotels. And I'm following all that, and I'm delighted about that. But as a retailer, I have to say, I feel that that maybe the politicians and the our, our councillors need to listen more to the, to the retailers about what we need to survive in the city. And if you don't have independence, big chains will only... Will be, Cork will be just like another city anywhere. No-one will be motivated to come. It's the small, more interesting shops that add to the whole ambiance. So,
0: obviously, we, we know of what's happening with Liam Marshalls which is very sad, another bookshop that's so familiar to all of us. Um, what can be done to try and help those independent retailers, those smaller fish in the bigger pond, keep their doors open?
1: Well, I think it's the same that can help the bigger ones as well. It's the same things. I mean, if, when I've been around and people approach me or talk to me about what's happening, the feedback I, I'm hearing from people is they're concerned about the number of people shopping in the city centre. They said, get, us, get me people into the city centre and I will sell to them, is what they say. So I think they're worried about maybe our public transport system. We had originally been promised five park and rides and a circular bus. That's a long time ago when planning was given to the um, to the bigger um, shopping centres outside the city. Now, that didn't materialise, and I know that there's answers. They're saying, oh, we're not using all the car parks that we have, but they're not promoted. I think I would like the politicians, that I say, and the councillors and other people to, li- instead of giving us... An answer and defending themselves to work with us and listen to what we 've to say, because we have put our lives' work as, as uh, in 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 the city center, and i like, 'm devoted to the city center. I hate to see any business go, and I think people should be coming to me and asking me rather than when we put up a, a, a sort of suggestion or we 're worried about parking or we 're worried about the the public service the public um, bus service um. Where we get us sometimes and often, we get an answer that's meant to keep us quiet. Yes,
0: you feel as if you're somewhat dismissed. I mean, Ray, do you agree that maybe those making key decisions about the city centre and transport or infrastructure, whatever? would do well to maybe open their ears to what the business community has to say rather than listening but not a, not, not taking on board the options that are being given.
3: You see I think they probably are listening. There's, there's no question that they, they, they know the issues that are invo- that are happening and the, 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 some of the frustrations like I suppose there's probably a little bit more of frustration from the smaller retailer perspective um, but I suppose also if you're if from a hospitality perspective not, it's not all rosy in the city centre. I think what myself and Joan are involved in through the Cork City Centre Forum we're involved in a kind of a customer service charter and we're it just so happens that we're both on the the committee there's a committee of six of us and we're what we feel is that cork city center needs a more of a cohesive customer service um kind of welcome so for example that there is like when people come to our city, whether that's people from West Cork, East Cork, do you know what I mean? We're not talking about uh, tourists. We're talking about the punters in Cork city and county that actually want to get them back into city centre. Because if they come back into city centre, they're going to go to Jones' shop. They're going to go to the main patrick street the main shopping thoroughfare but they're also probably going to have lunch out they're going to have maybe a beer in the evenings or maybe an overnight stay in one of our hotels so um we're involved in um a working group at the moment that is trying to create a customer service uh, charter and a message for the city and i think if we get that right which we're working quite uh, quite a lot on at the moment and we're about to do a training program on it like that we want people to know and recognize that cork has a welcome that isn't anywhere else there's a
0: lot of different programmes, though, out there, Joan. The, the City Council will point to saying, well, look, we're doing a lot of this already. The Chamber has a thing. The Cork Business Association's working on a thing. Maybe we need to do one thing as opposed to four or five things.
1: Well, I just what Ray was talking about there, the City Centre Customer Service Charter. Now, I think that's a movement that is going to help. Mm-hmm. it basically is what we want to, everybody to work together to brand cox city to be known as a city of quality service you know always known as something dublin is known that that's what that's our message so if you come to the city but it means that we everybody needs to be aware of it and it means that we need pride of place community we need to be working together we need a sense of of, of empathy for our customers empathy for each other and have a, then we'll have a special environment that people will want to spend time in. And I think that's, that's an important thing. And there's a group of us, and we have a lot of traders interested in this. And I think as, as well as this, I know when we set up this training program, which we're working with the local enterprise board, mm. it's a different type of training program. It's about, as I say, the pride of place. Like part of it will be about going around seeing your city, getting to know the Crawford Art Gallery, you know, so that we'll all be, have more invested but that's our side of it, and, and in fairness to the City Council, they have supported that very much now, really strongly supported that. I'm not saying that we're not getting support in initiatives we're doing in different... Um, we're, I'm in the Victorian quarter now and so is Ray, and we're getting support from City Council for that. But there are still bigger issues that we can't do anything about, and even though they know about them, we need to work on them.
0: I want to finish up by asking you both a, a simple question, and I put this to Philip earlier in the podcast about how optimistic he was about where we're going. And, you know, there's all this optimism that's out there and people will be cynical, going, error, look, we've had this kind of thing before. Do you believe that we really are on the cusp of something in Cork right now? Ray, I'll begin with you, that, that this city is going to be significantly changed, improved, added on to in the next couple of years, or will we have more frustration, uh, more annoyance that, you know, we didn't quite get it right?
3: Um, I think it, I think we are, we're on the cusp of something fairly impressive now, to be honest. I mean, if you look at, we'd say, Cork Airport numbers, they were up 4% last year. Their target is to be up another 4% this year. So we've had, we have a transatlantic flight out of Cork now. Do you know what I mean? Just, just that as an example. I think that's a positive. And there is, I suppose, like if, if from a hotel perspective, I mean, that's the one I'm exposed to most, is, yeah, some of the hotels are experiencing high occupancy levels not all now to be honest but there's also new developments in the city which means when you have new developments in the city that means there is an impetus for new business and there's definitely a lot of corporate business which I suppose is driving our base and we're also trying to get a lot more of the tour operator business to consider Cork because in the past they would have probably bypassed us and went on to Killarney and Kerry so I suppose a lot more talking around that and I think I think we're on we are about to hit something I think I suppose the business tourism side is, is a huge, huge part of our business. And I suppose once we can get the business tourism side right, it also helps all the others because, um, you know, there's definitely more of a demand. And I suppose, like, let's not talk about the event centre. But if we could get something like that. There's a you know ban I mean? on the event centre. Yeah. The, b- the block goes down.
0: I'm not talking about it.
3: Yeah. So, but do you know what I mean? Like that, and that is an element of the business, I suppose, tourism that I suppose we want to still talk about because the fact we still wanted to come to the city.
0: John?
1: Yeah, I think there's an excitement, okay? I mean, there's cranes in the sky. There is hope, and there's, there's a feeling like that definitely things are happening. There are more hotels and more business, business uh, office space coming into the city. But we need to have a community there for the people. We need an atmosphere, we need an environment, and we mustn't forget that.
0: Okay, well, it is an exciting time and uh, the best luck to everybody involved in the CBA and all of the city centre traders. And no doubt we will talk again about this uh, on a future episode. But for now, Joan Lucy of Vibes and Scribes and Ray Kelleher of the Trigon Hotel Group. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks,
1: Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks, Jonathan.
0: My thanks to all my guests. Don't forget, if you want to get involved in the podcast, you can email us redbusiness at redfm.ie. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Neil Hennessy produced, and we'll catch you on the next.
1: The Red Business Podcast with CompUB Apple technology and solutions for your business. CompUB.com.